Turn with me, if you would, please, tonight to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would, please, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Take a new poke at an old story, a new slant, if you would, please. I'm going to talk to you tonight about probably the biggest hang-up that a young Christian and maybe even an older Christian will have. And the thing that will probably spoil a Christian's journey in the Lord. We're going to approach it from another standpoint, though, tonight. And uh, I want you to follow along with me now as I read. I'll begin reading in verse 11. And I'll read through the rest of the rest of the chapter. And uh, I, I think if for me, I think probably this was the most difficult thing, the most difficult doctrine, the most difficult thing that I've, I've had over the years to overcome or maybe in some instances I've succumbed to this. And I'm thinking maybe many of our folks tonight, just look around you tonight and look at folks who are not here. And before I ever read the thing, you come to your own opinion, what happened to them? Now, the Bible said in verse 11, Oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak unto you. I speak unto, I speak as unto my children. Be also enlarged. Now probably the old English is more difficult to interpret what those verses are saying. So I'm going to help you just a little bit. I'm not correcting the King James now. Notice if you would please, verse number 11, O you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. We've been faithful to preach the truth to you. We have not held back one thing. Even though probably some things we'd like to have held back, but our mouth is open and we preach the truth to you. Our heart is enlarged. Paul said, I love you more than description. More than words could ever say. Church, I love you. I've been faithful to tell you the truth. You are not straightened in us. The word means narrow. Shut up. Turned off. You are not straightened in us, but you're straightened in your own bowels. We have not closed your ears to the message. You have closed your ears. We have done nothing for you to close your heart and your reception 
but ye have done it yourselves because of the false teachers and the worldliness that has prevailed in the congregation. You have shut me and the message of the gospel out and you've done it yourselves. It's not my fault. Got that? Next verse. Now for a recompense in the same. Since we have loved you so much and since we have been faithful to tell you the truth, now it's time for you to recompense us by doing the same thing. I speak as unto my children. I want you to Christ. You're my babes in Christ. You're my children in the Lord. I speak to you as unto children. My children. Be also enlarged. Got that? Now that is so necessary for what we're fixing to read. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out. From among them. And be ye separate. Saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters. Saith the Lord Almighty. Now. Those are. Some tough verses to hang your head on. When you first get saved. And then after you saved a while. Then after you've been saved a long time. Those are tough verses. To hang your hat on. Have you ever noticed. That we're living in the world. Would you turn your Bible please just a minute to James chapter 4. If you would please. I wake up every morning in the world. I walk out of my house every morning in the world. I drive to the church in the world in a truck that's made by the world. Fueled by gasoline that's refined by the world. Get cussed at by people on the way to church because they don't like the way they drive 
in the world. <laughs> Amen. Um, James 4 and verse 4. <clears throat> Ye adulterers and adulteresses, <laughs> know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, you're probably saying, preacher, you're taking that out of context. And I'm probably saying, no, I'm not. The Bible said, there are many, many Christians living a spiritual adulterous life because they are in love and in a relationship with this world and not with Him. I did not say it was easy. But you name me one person that used to be faithful to this church and it is no longer faithful to this church and I'll tell you what happened to him or her. She got hooked up with the world or he got hooked up with the world. I'll tell you what's keeping many of you from going whole heart with God. They're just something in this old world you can't turn loose of. And my Bible said, love not the world, neither the things in the world. Is that right? 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. Now, with that in mind, Notice, if you would please, this chapter. I'm going to review it just a little bit, not much. Notice, if you would please, this chapter, we can outline it in three areas. Verses 1 through 4, there is a call to service. Look at this. A call to service. Verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not... The grace of God in vain. Verse 4 or 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things are proven ourselves as the ministers of Christ. So there is a call to service. Secondly, verses 5 through 13. There is a call to suffering. I don't know if you know it or not. But all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. If you're going to live godly, it's going to be tough. I mean, if you're going to tell the world to take a hike. And you're going to tell the booze to take a hike. And you're going to tell the internet to take a hike that you're watching stuff you ought not to watch in. If you're going to control that television, you are going to suffer persecution. Kids won't like it. The wife or husband won't like it. 
and neighbors come over, they won't like it. And if your family comes over, they won't understand it. All that will live godly shall suffer persecution. How many folk believe the Bible? Then why in the world does it upset you when somebody gets upset at you because you're trying to serve God? I mean, you start serving God and all hell's going to break loose. And you're going to say, well, I had it better before I got saved. Probably did. Down here. But you won't have it better up there. Uh Huh? I believe with all my heart. Now then, secondly, the chapter, thirdly, the chapter calls to separation. Now notice what he says. He says, I speak as unto my children. Paul is seeking the good of those he loves. Now, I I did not put restrictions on my kids to make them miserable. I did not put restrictions on my children because it made me feel macho. I put restrictions on my children because it was better for their maturity. And Paul says, now children, be ye also enlarged. You can either shut this out or you can open your heart. Paul said, but if you want to be what God wants you to be, you're going to have to open your heart to me. You're going to have to quit shutting this up. You just... You're going to have to quit cutting us out because this is not applicable to you. Because you are so spiritual. You can hang around with dogs without barking. (laughs) I don't know where I come up with that. I don't even care. I don't even care. I am so concerned... Paul said, I want to be honest with you. I'm going to open my mouth and help you, warn you, encourage you. You need to open your heart. And my heart is broken for you, church. You, you've become worldly. You're involved in things that Christians ought not to be involved in. You're allowing things in the church that is absolutely prohibited by God and by the word of God. And still my mouth is open. My heart is open now. I want you to do something for me tonight, Paul said. I want you to open your heart. Quit shutting it out. Quit saying that separation's not for me. This is the 21st century. Quit saying, I can dance with the devil and not bother me. Now, you quit that. Quit saying you can watch what you want to and it won't bother you. Just quit saying you can dance with the devil on Monday and come to church on Sunday. Quit sowing your wild oats all week and come to the church on Sunday praying for a crop failure. 
Quit blaming everybody else for your problem. Open your heart to me, Paul said. You ready? And he says, if you want to grow in the Lord, you want to be what God wants you to be, you're going to have to come out of the world. You're going to have to choose your friends. Of course, you won't have to if you start living like God wants you to do. Your friends will choose you. If dogs still feel comfortable around you, you might all check the fleas on you. That's pretty good. Jot those down, would you, Jim? Here it is. Verse 13 says, you're not going to be able to understand and comprehend verse 14 through 18 if you don't practice verse 13. Be ye also enlarged. And then he records a command. Now I want you to notice this. He records a command. Uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I believe I'd have understood that before I got my degree at the seminary. I, I believe. You say, now, what does it mean to be unequally yoked. Good question, right? Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 22. And we'll see what Paul is talking about when he talks about being yoked. Deuteronomy 22, that's over in the front of your Bible, three paper clips in. If you got a Schofield Bible, it's on page 240. Be ye not unequally, here's the word, yoked, yoked, tied together. Here's the verse that Paul has reference to, verse 10. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together, yoking two animals together and working together is prohibited because, number one, the gait is different in an ox and an ass. A mule walks faster than an ox. Won't work. Don't do it. It's just not compatible. It it, it just, not only that, a mule is generally taller than an ox, thusly slanting the yoke, 
thusly don't work. So Paul, in having reference to believers and unbelievers, he's saying, you ought not be walking in the same places. Just don't work. Be not unequally yoked. Well, now, preacher, what's it talking about? Evidently everything because there wasn't any stipulation. How about will it work in marriage? Unequally yoked. In marriage, is marriage a binding? A yoke? Huh? Then we are directly, 100%, prohibited to marry outside of Christ. Is that sound about right? Now it didn't say make sure they're going to church. It said make sure they're saved. Would that work in business? Unequally yoked In business. Why? Because the walk is different. The gate is different. The philosophy is different. The subject matter in which we talk about and discuss is different. It will. If it does not cause disagreement. It will cause compromise on the part of the believer. You say that, you better listen to me. Now my kids was not allowed to date lost people. You say, wow, they were not allowed to date People wasn't Baptist. You say, wow. They wasn't allowed to date anybody that wasn't an independent Baptist. You say, wow. They wasn't allowed to date anybody that wasn't an independent Baptist that I didn't like. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I don't care whether you like that or not. If you don't like that, you can go butt a stump somewhere. That is a direct, viable command. Of course now, I know, and I realize that we can rationalize that away. Especially when it comes to us having to tell our kids you can't. See, to tell somebody else's kids you can't. But when it comes to our kids who wants to argue with us about how long their hair is, how short their britches are, how low their blouse is, it's always easier to argue with somebody else's kids than it is our kids. But 
I read one time, friendship with the world makes somebody the enemy of God. You say, I'm not receiving this. Paul said you wouldn't. Straight, straight, straight. Well, just see how your ball game turns out. A direct command from God. Can I read you, please, Ezra chapter 9. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to anger you. I want you to see that this is very important. It's not a Wolfenbarger doctrine. It's not that I'm still wearing a suit and I'm a legalist. It's not that I still get a haircut. It's not that I still smell good. That's because I use a lot of perfume. This is what happens now. Verse 1. Chapter 9 of Ezra. And when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations. Even as the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Mobites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites, and all the otherites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. And read the rest and you'll find out that God judged the people because they were not separated. So there is a command recorded. Now notice the next thing I'd like to show you is there is a command reviewed. And that command down to the next three or four verses is reviewed. And probably this is very important to you. Folks come to my office having family problems. This is the first place I take them. Folk come to my office, want to get married. This is the first place I take them. And if they're not willing to give me a clear-cut testimony that they are saved, both of them, or will receive Christ in my office, I will not marry them if they're both not Christians. And I won't do that. You say, about folks who are divorced... Oh, yes, I'll do that. I was preaching a revival meeting in Ohio, preaching on fornication, adultery, and shacking up and all that kind of stuff. After the service, a couple came to me and said, Preacher, we've been living in sin for months, and we was wondering if maybe we could get married. We don't want to live in sin any longer. I told the preacher, I said, Brother, 
this family wants to get married. He said, man, I can't marry them. They're, they've been divorced. I said, you're just going to let them live in sin? Is that what you're going to do, preacher? Well, it's just against my conviction to marry anybody that's been divorced. I said, well, let's just let them join the church shacking up. That'll make it real spiritual. That's the last time I preached a revival for him. I don't understand that. And I said, folks, I'll marry you right now. And I married him right there. They don't know I didn't want lawfully legal to marry in Ohio. Of course, I didn't either. I guess they're still shaking up. I have no idea. But we tried. Amen. We tried. Now listen to me. God didn't put this in here just because fill up some pages. And let me tell you something. I could give you a list of names this long of people who love God, but they just love the world a little bit more. And they're just not in church and they're not in a relationship with God because they couldn't get over this hump of being separated from the world. And you will be a statistic if you don't open your heart to this Doctrine of separation. You say, now how do you know that? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and the first verse. 2 Corinthians 7 and the first verse. Not only is there a call to separation, there is a call to sanctification. Look at this. The Bible said, Having therefore these promises, dear beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Want to tear that one out too? You want to rationalize that one too? Mine and your responsibility to God since we've been saved is to cleanse ourselves, separate ourselves, get away from that junk ourselves, tell the world to take a hike ourselves and start living a life that's pleasing to God according to the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please look now. A command reviewed. I've got three or four minutes. Notice this. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because righteousness demands it. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now you tell me what me and a Satan pleasing 
world-loving, hell-raising, sinning, bad-mouthed, no-good individual. What has he and I got to fellowship about? You said, well, he's working for me. Get you somebody that ain't. Get you a saved person to work for you. You say, preacher, you can't do that. Then get you a lost one and win him to Christ. I want everybody in my die shop to the Lord. Not a week after I was born again. I was an idiot. I just thought everybody ought to be a soul winner when they get get saved. And you say, how did you get them saved? I'd tease them with a check. (laughs) You want this? You better get saved. You tell me what you've got in common with a beer-drinking pervert, with somebody that believes in all kinds of unrighteousness. What have you got in common with a fellow when you pay him? You know he's going to go and spend all his money in a beer joint and let his little family go hungry all night. You've got nothing to fellowship with that guy about. No, sir. Now, I, I have nothing. You know, I, I, I just... Uh, I'm just overwhelmed at folk. Listen to this. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For this righteous man, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Think you're better than Lot? You think you can hanky panky with them? Watch what they do and listen to what they say without it affecting your righteous soul. Well, this is not going over too good. Might ought to hurry. Please look at the second thing now. Why should I be separate? Because reality demands it. Verse 14, the latter part of the verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Notice what it says. The latter part of verse 14. And what communion hath light with darkness. Most of us think Christianity is built on a timer or a fader. Isn't that what you call them things up on a light? Whenever you want to turn those lights almost off. What's that called? Dimmer? That's what most Christians look like right there. When they ought to be looking like that back there. But see, in Paul's day, they didn't have dimmer switches. (laughs) They either had it dark or light. And the most unusual thing happened. You turn the light on and the darkness flees. You turn the light out, the darkness comes back. 
Just like light and darkness has no communion, no communication, no fellowship, neither should you with unbelievers. I wonder what a saved wife and an unsaved husband talk about. Well, I'll win them after I marry them. Well, I hope so, but most of the time that don't work. There's one thing about it. There is going to be disagreement between light and darkness. Would you say that? You say, not Oak Miles, we got a dimmer switch. Well, that means white turns to gray and black turns to gray. So you got two happy compromisers. Until something happens that one of them don't like. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 through 13 talks about God hath delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and made us a member of a kingdom of light. I'm just saying, if you look around tonight, you'll see empty pews where somebody used to set that got caught up with bad friends. Amen. And the friends, the world, won. Yep. And now they're out of church doing things that they used to speak against and enjoying those things. Yes, sir. I cannot believe that a member of our church that would be faithful would be a drinker. Amen. I, I, can't, I, cannot, I cannot comprehend that. Amen. Yeah. I cannot imagine anybody who knows what our church stands for would be a viewer of pornography. Right. Amen. I, I, could, I can't imagine that. I, I just... I can't imagine a wife beater being a member of our church. I can't imagine a wife that would so aggravate and agitate the husband to where he'd sink to that level. I think a wife who pushes to a man to that degree is just as guilty as the man has to revert. You don't have to revert to that. It's both. You're shielding to the flesh and worldliness. I wish, what time is it? You've got your notes now. If you don't believe me, just read them. (laughs) And we'll finish next week. But I'll guarantee if we here tonight do not open our heart, hmm? 
Open our heart to the things called separation. Being unequally yoked with this old world, it, it has not your good at heart. Amen. It does not. The advertisements are not really what they say they are. I mean, it, it just promises you one thing, gives you another. Sure as the world. You know, those easy payment installment plans, they're easy until you start making them. And then they get more difficult and difficult and difficult. The world just sucks you in, right? Right? Little by little, the world entices us every day. And after all, old Joe Smo's not, not a real bad guy. He don't run around on his wife. He pays his bills. He just don't know your God. And he don't love your Jesus. And there's a reason why he does not love your Jesus. 